who are we as human beings if we ignore the suffering of others? Today, I'd like to talk about homelessness and the effects it has on a human being and what people passing by think of someone who's living on the street. Do we ignore them? Do we walk past and give them some money and forget about them? Or do we do something and try to help them? Hello and welcome to my podcast, Unapologetically KK. I'm on vacation in New York and while walking down Times Square, I came across a lot of homeless people living on the street. I've seen this before. Seeing a homeless person living on the street may not be something that's new to to a lot of people. You see them, you probably wonder why they can't find a job, what got them there. Maybe even give them some money and forget about them as soon as you walk past them. But this time it struck me a lot harder to think about what situation and circumstance would have led someone who is educated, young, in seemingly good health, want to live on the streets? Why are they incapable of finding something to do? Can they not go to a government agency or a shelter and and help find a way to get off the street? There are a lot of preconceived notions we might have. We might probably even judge these people. But understanding what got them there is, is what I wanted to do the most this time. So I decided to research more about what being homeless is about before I spoke to somebody on the street. There are many complex causes of homelessness. People become homeless when their salaries and income are not enough to cover rent and a mortgage and other necessities like food, healthcare, transportation, etc. The number of homeless people sleeping in municipal shelters in the United States is 70% higher than 10 years ago. And there is no accurate measurement of those sleeping on the street. Now, homelessness in New York has reached its highest levels since the Great Depression in the 1930s. It's alarming to see people who are educated living on the street. And the reason why I say they're educated, because a lot of them have signs which state how they got there. They say, Trump took my money and my girlfriend. They say, I lost my home and shelter. Um, there, there is a sign that is asking for something or one of the one of the people I saw on the street said, I need $50 to pay my rent for this month. So we do know that they are able to communicate. They're, they seem fairly, well, I wouldn't say healthy, but they seem abled and, and free of any disability. And so I wanted to approach them and talk to one of them to understand what it really was that got them on the street. Now, before I did that, I really needed to understand this phenomenon a bit better. And and I went online to start researching what the whole situation was globally. The definition of homelessness, and this is on Wikipedia, and I'm, I'm, I'm just reading from what I saw there. Homelessness is defined as living in housing that is below the minimum standard or lacks secure tenure. People can be categorized as homeless if they are living on the streets, which is their primary accommodation. And this can be temporary. So it's not necessary that people can are homeless for the rest of their lives. They can be homeless for a short period of time till they get back into the system, find a job. And, and this could just be a very temporary situation that they find themselves in. It could also be that they're moving between temporary shelters and they just still do not have a place to stay. 
um, and it includes living in houses of friends and family or emergency accommodation. So this could be them being displaced by natural disasters, by war, and by other things that have made them lose possession of their homes. The legal definition of homelessness differs from country to country, and I was quite surprised to find this. So it is not a standard, simple definition in each country. And in the US, homelessness includes people who sleep in a public or private space, which is not designated for use as a regular sleeping accommodation for human beings. That is their definition here. Now, the last time a global survey was attempted by the United Nations was in 2005, and it's estimated that 100 million people were homeless worldwide, and as many as 1.6 billion people lacked adequate housing. You can imagine how difficult it must be to to do a survey to find out because a lot of these people are not registered. It's difficult to kind of go there and get a number. I mean, most of these statistics are based on people who, who rely on government shelters and temporary accommodation where they can be accounted for. But for those people who are living on the streets, it's very, very difficult to get an actual number. As cities grow, so do the numbers of the homeless. Varying definitions prevent global comparisons and experts debate if the problem is even solvable. Now, currently, it says that there are over 150 million people, which is approximately 2% of the world's population, are homeless. And many governments lack resources and commitment to measure the complicated and elusive phenomenon. It is unimaginable just to, to even understand how a situation like this can have a solution because of these staggering numbers. 2% of the entire global population is homeless. And, And of course, you have to consider now the number of people who are also struggling as refugees. So finding a solution that will work globally is is almost impossible it has to be done at a at a citywide countrywide level where each government needs to be working tirelessly to get these people into some kind of safe accommodation one of the reasons why that is difficult to do is because homelessness is often considered an embarrassing and taboo subject and governments tend to understate the problem people do not want to come up and and talk about the actual number of people who are living on the streets there are countries where people live in makeshift accommodations in slum areas in housing that is not really considered safe or secure and therefore it's difficult to even come up with a proper number for them to be able to solve the problem. Seeing these people on the streets just was so unimaginable. I mean, can you imagine what it would feel like to not have the security of going back to your home? And what really is the true meaning of a home? It's not just about the four walls and a place to live, is it? It's a place where you feel secure and protected and surrounded by the people you love and who love you. Even if you live alone, your home is still a safe place to go back to at the end of each day. It's your comfort zone, a place where you can feel emotionally and physically safe. Now, losing this space can cause severe trauma, physical, sexual, emotional. Can you even imagine what it would be like to live on the street and not have the security of four walls around you to make you feel that you are protected? So the emotional trauma is a cause and a consequence of being homeless. It can weigh heavily on the mind and heart. 
And people who are homeless deal with circumstances that most of us can hardly imagine. And it's important to remember that not every side effect of homelessness is directly visible to the eye. Like I said, the people that I saw on the street did not look physically disabled, but that doesn't mean that they are not struggling with severe mental trauma any kind of physical trauma that is not visible to the eye. Research shows mental illness is experienced by roughly one third of the homeless population. And it is a major, major barrier to getting off the streets. These people are not able to, to sometimes deal with their emotional trauma to help them get out of the situation they find themselves in. And every day marks the beginning of another struggle to find a place to sleep, enough food to eat, and find shelter from the elements. It could be cold, it could be raining, it could be too hot. Living on the street is one of the toughest things you might have to endure if you find yourself in that situation. The pressure they face to secure their own survival every day is impossible to imagine for most of us. The only way I could tell this story and be absolutely sure of what these people were going through was by approaching somebody on the street and talking to them. Now, this was not going to be easy. And obviously, I wanted to do, talk to somebody who was going to be able to talk to me and tell me and explain to me what they were going through. And I was a bit nervous, I must admit, because how do you approach somebody on the street and say, hey, I've got a podcast and I want to talk to you? Would they be willing to tell me their story? Would they think I was just trying to use their situation to promote myself? And honestly, that was never the intention. The intention was always to try and understand more accurately what somebody is going through. So I set out looking for some people who I could talk to. And while walking on the street, I approached a woman who looked clearly like she was struggling and she didn't want to be there. She was um, sketching a few paintings and I guess they were up for sale, but she did have a sign that said that even though she had lost everything, she still had hope and her smile. Uh, when I approached her, though, she wasn't very comfortable at first to talk about it. She obviously was not sure what I was going to do with the information or her audio. She didn't want to use her name. And she was a little bit scared as well, even though she was a woman, I'm a woman. I was in no way a threat. This was in the middle of the day on the street. It was extremely busy. I was there with my husband and my two kids. So I was clearly not a threat. However, I'm sure there's some level of cynicism and, and, and fear because you have to face so many different kinds of situations when you're living on the street. She did agree and said that she would be willing to talk to me uh, because she believed that the homeless people were misunderstood and there were a lot of them out there who didn't want to get off the street. And so people assumed that everyone was the same. So she did want to tell her story. However, she didn't want to leave the place that she was sitting at. She was not willing to open up. And eventually she turned around and said, I'm really sorry, I want to do this, but I can't. So I had to move on and, and try and approach someone else. And that's when I met Jason just across the street. And I'm glad I did because Jason seemed to be extremely capable. He did have a couple of books um, beside him to read. He was reading a newspaper and actually doing a crossword puzzle when I approached him. And again, at first, 
He said he wasn't sure if he wanted to talk to me, but eventually he said, you know what, why not? So I did appreciate him taking the time and having the courage to tell his story. So I ended up talking to Jason just off the street. We found a little corner where we could record, but of course there was a lot of noise from all around, from the traffic. And so the audio is not as clear as I'd hoped it would be, but this is the actual recording of me sitting down with Jason and listening to him tell me about his life. Okay, I am in New York and I have Jason here with me who has been gracious enough to talk to me about what it's like living on the streets. Hi, Jason. Hi, how are you? Welcome to my podcast and thank you so much for doing this. Of course. I'm sure it's not easy talking about this experience. Yeah, exactly. So tell me what you're doing in New York. Uh, you said that you're not from New York. No, I'm actually from L.A. Um, about six years ago or so, I moved over to the East Coast with my girlfriend, who's from New Jersey, and she had family over here. So we moved over to be closer to them. Um, we had our own apartment and everything, but after a couple of years, she started making some bad choices and literally upped and left left all her stuff behind, just, just left. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't afford the apartment by myself after that because apartments aren't cheap where we were staying. So I ended up losing my apartment. And not long after that, I lost my job because I wasn't able to keep good sleep schedule and stay, you know, clean and everything. Right. So after I lost my job, I ended up out here. Um, I came here to New York just because it's a little easier than being on the street in Jersey. Yeah. Or so I thought. Um, I expected that there would be um, more services available to me. Right. Which is kind of true, but they still take forever to get anything moving. So I'm still kind of stuck here. So how long have you been on the streets? It's about a year now. You've been living on the streets yeah. for a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. And before that, did you have any, any shelters? Have you been to shelters? Have you had any government um, aid? Have you done, you know, have you contacted your family? Why I, have you decided to stay in New I York? don't have much family. I have a, a younger brother and sister, but they, they're not in any position to help. Um, and not much of an extended family, after, not that I speak to, that I know after that. Um, I have been speaking with a couple of the, the sources around here that help homeless people, mm -hmm. but they just, it, it's such a slow process. Yeah. So we're just waiting for something to happen. Um, the way they work is some of them, BRC and a couple of the other ones, once they see you on the street, they have to see you on the street a few times. Right. And preferably they'd like to see you sleeping on the street so they can actually prove that you're homeless. And then they'll put you on a list to get you a caseworker. And from there, they try getting you help to get whatever you need to get back on your feet. Right. And it just takes forever because they have to spot you on the street they you know they just go out sweeping the street so if they don't see you yeah you don't get the help so tell me what is it like what is your typical day like what does it mean to be on the street i mean I'll, as long as i get something to eat i'm happy so i'll just stay out you know maybe if somebody spares some chains so i can get some food or something i'll be happy right now it's much better than during the winter when it's freezing yeah. all the time then try to stay inside a starbucks or something until they kick me out which after that fiasco they had last year or something, they, they tend not to try to kick you out unless you're causing problems. So that's really nice. I'll go in there, grab a cup of coffee and just sit. Um, so I'll stay out most of the day and 
towards like seven or eight, I'll go find some place to sleep for the night and just bed down for the rest of the night. So and where do you find a place to that. sleep? Um, I try to get away from Midtown just because it's so crowded. Mm-hmm. So usually I go downtown a bit. Um, just anywhere that, you know, a little corner or something that's out of the way, not bothering anybody. Yeah. What's, do you feel safe? Um, like, are there times where you just are fearful? Not so much physically. I mean, there's always the chance that I'll get robbed. That has happened. Um, after I'd been out here for just a couple of months, no, but it was like a month or two. I actually had a job interview lined up and they knew my situation and everything was fine. And I went in, they seemed to like me. So then they would just need, you know, my paperwork to start filling it out and get everything working. And I actually did get robbed and they took my ID. And now without an ID, I couldn't get that job. And they, they tried to pull some strings, but it just couldn't happen. And since I have no paperwork to get that ID. But yeah, physically, I think I'm I'm okay. Nobody's attacking me like that. But getting my stuff taken, that is... Uh, something you have to worry about out here. So how do you get your identification back? Um, like I said, I'm currently working with BRC. They're going to get me some paperwork to fill out to get uh, my birth certificate. And then I'd have to get a social. And then from there, I'd probably need, I don't know what the other points New York requires, but in order to get a New York ID, you have to have so many points of identification. I think the birth certificate counts for like two and social security card counts for one. You need a place of residency that they can mail you stuff, but uh, the program provides something like that for you. So after I fill out all this paperwork, then I just wait for the identification to come in and then slowly move up until I can get an ID. Most people would, I guess, never imagine finding themselves in a situation which would lead them to live on the streets. Mm. Did you ever have that, that you would just not be one of those people? And yeah, um... What does it feel like to kind of find yourself in the situation? Oh, I I always thought that, you know, I, I, I took care of myself. I made the right choices. I would never find myself here. And it was just, a, I guess, a stroke of bad luck that it happened. Um, I've met people out here where they were actually very successful at one point And then, you know, they made some bad business decisions or something and so you don't really expect to find yourself in this situation. And it's a little difficult when you do find yourself here. Um, at first, I expected I wouldn't be out here very long. Right. And had I not gotten robbed, I might not have been. But um, once I lost that, then I knew it was going to be a lot more difficult to get out of this position than it would have been. And how do you keep yourself emotionally upbeat I mean you're sitting here you're smiling you're talking to me and and you know honestly if I hadn't seen you on the street I just would have never guessed that you were in this kind of a situation so emotionally it obviously has an impact on you on a daily basis like you're saying there's the weather it could be raining it could be snowing you know there are days when you're just not up to kind of sitting out there and waiting for someone to give you some money so you could eat how how do you how do you deal with those situations from an emotional perspective? Um, I, I try to stay positive about it. Obviously, uh, I I do know everybody. And I think the thing is, a lot of people get out here and they get complacent with their position in life and stop caring. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to be one of those people. I'd like to get out of the situation. 
And if I don't keep my chin up, then I realize it's not going to happen. So I just try to keep a, a positive attitude about the whole thing that, you know, it's some bad luck that hit me and eventually it'll pass just like any phase of my life. Yeah. And is that how you see it, that this is a short term yeah. thing and you're oh, going to yeah. get yourself out of oh, it? Oh, yes. I don't plan on being out here long at all. In fact, if you had asked me when I first got out here, if I'd be out here for a year, I would have probably said no. But things happen. But yeah, I, I do not plan on being out here much longer. And what about the other people that you've met? You know, are people in a similar situation? Do people only look at this as a temporary situation to get them out of whatever has gotten them into it in the first place and they feel like they're going to work towards it? There is a split. There is a, a very big split. Some of the people out here are just that, oh, no, this is just temporary. I'm going to get fixed. But a good majority of them have found themselves out here for uh, reasons like mental illness or drug abuse or something, and they are just totally content being where they are in life. So they're probably not going to go anywhere. And what can anyone do to help you? I mean, is the government doing something to help you? Are you expecting any help from the people who pass you by other than giving you some money for food? How, how, how do you feel about what you see yourself as where you are now and where you want to be? Um, there are people who try to help by, yeah. you know, they, they, off, they tell me about resources. Like, oh, have you tried this shelter and everything? The only issue is the, the shelters in New York are actually garbage. They are terrible. Um, most, you know, if you go in there, you, I mean, especially me, I'm a young white male in one of those shelters. I would not do well in one of those shelters at all. Um, and I know a lot of those people are just trying to be nice and helpful, and I really appreciate it. But um, I think uh, the ones that are try telling me about the, the homeless programs, BRC that I'm working with and everything, they're, they're actually trying to do something positive for me to just, you know, give me money for food for one more day. And um, it's nice to see that some people do care and right. they're actually trying to help. Um, and what do you see is going to get you out of this? What if, if things work out, what would they be? Um, well, when I'm sitting out and people are giving me change, I am putting some aside. So I have put some money aside. Once I get my ID, I'm hoping to at least maybe rent a bedroom or something, because that's all I would really need and get a job. And then from there, as long as I, I mean, I've never had a problem keeping a job before I've been working since I was like 16, mm -hmm. no problem keeping a job. So if I can find a job, I'm fairly certain that I could fix this situation. And no plans to head back to LA? Um, I mean, eventually, just because I like, I like LA. Yeah. But as of right now, now I might as well get on my feet first before, because otherwise I'll just be in that situation over there. And there's no point moving across the country to be in the same place. And do your siblings know about your situation? Oh yeah, I still speak to them. They, they understand that if they were in a position to help, they certainly would. They're younger than me paying off. My younger brother did go to college, so he's paying off student loans and everything. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I stay in touch with them. And hopefully when I get back out there and I have everything situated, we can see each other again. So looking for a job is your next step. Yes. And getting your papers, obviously. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And until then, you're just going to kind of find I mean, a way really, to survive. Exactly. There's really nothing I can do until then. Um, I've tried finding the jobs that pay under the table. But then, I mean, once again, they see me and there's like, no, I'll find somebody to go do it cheaper or something. So it's, it's a little difficult for me. Um, I was working, a, like I said before, I was working at a restaurant for a little while and they would pay us under the table. But then that they restaurant wasn't doing well so I laid off a bunch of people 
but uh, yeah, until I until I get my paperwork, there's not much I can do. I mean, I am also in while I'm in the process of getting paperwork. BRC is trying to get me a caseworker so they can get me a a place to stay. So yeah. I'm also working that route too. But in the end, I'm just getting a place to stay, get a job, get off the street. And you said you're saving some money to get mm-hmm. a place to stay. How much money would it? I mean, I know if you look around, you can probably find a bedroom for a couple hundred a, month? Uh, a week, a, week. A, cheap, a cheap bed. I, I saw, I mean, I'm sure you can find probably one for a couple hundred a month, but I haven't seen any listed. And for that, I'd probably go online and check Craigslist or something, but I'm always a little. Do you have access to anything online? Um, I do have a cell phone. It doesn't have minutes on it, but uh, New York has set up a bunch of, I don't know if you've seen them, little kiosks every couple of blocks right. that are actually you can charge your phone and you can get full, free Wi-Fi. It, and it's a full phone too if you use the kiosk it's an actual free telephone so you can do all of that there and so yeah i will sit on the internet sometimes just maybe to pass some time or something or to, to look up some resources yeah so i do have that access yes right and and what else do you have on you other than the phone um what are your possessions just some clothing uh my phone I have, um, I do own a laptop, but that's staying with somebody. I don't want to bring my laptop on the street because there's no way I'd keep that for any period of time. I'm always surprised when I see somebody on the street with a computer or something, because I know in a week or two, they won't have it. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much just clothing, um, a couple of books. I love it when somebody gives me a book to read. Yeah. Cause I'll sit there and read that, but yeah, pretty much my cell phone, some clothing and that's about it. Well, thank you so much for talking to oh, me. You're very welcome. I wish you all the very best. Thank you. I know this hasn't been easy. And, and you know, you just seem like such a positive person. I try. You know, <laughs> you do. You do. And I'm sure that this is not easy in this yeah. situation. As I said, this is one of the toughest things to find yourself mm-hmm. in because everyone thinks it's going to happen to someone else. Exactly. It's not going to exactly. happen to me. No. I'm not going to be one of those people. You're obviously educated. You, yeah. know, you, you do have a lot of interests. You have a lot of things you can offer. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of judgment to say that you're young you know you look seemingly healthy yes. you're capable and you know why aren't you getting a job exactly and it's just for people to be able to understand that it's not as easy as someone else thinks to say oh i can just walk into a mcdonald's yeah, and get I'm a not, job I'm, or, I'm not being lazy or anything i'm actually trying it's not that easy yes exactly so you know there are obviously like you've mentioned a lot of other issues administratively mm-hmm. to get yourself back into the system yes so i hope you get the help that you need thank you and i I really appreciate you talking to me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you so much. Very welcome. So that was Jason that I spoke to on the streets of New York. And I can definitely say that this was one of the toughest things I've had to do since I started the podcast. Talking to somebody on the street was not an easy experience for me. I didn't want to judge them before I spoke to them. I wanted to make sure that I could talk to them and allow them a space where they could talk to me freely and tell me about their experiences. Whether his experience is absolutely true or not is not the question here. The thing that we need to understand is that we must do something to help someone who is in a more unfortunate situation than than us. We're all struggling and we're all going through life and life can be tough at times. But if you have everything you need and you think that other people need to do the same and get to the point where you have gotten through hard work. Sometimes it's just not about hard work. Sometimes life gets in the way and situations turn out to be a lot tougher than you imagined them to be. And then you end up in a place you would have never imagined yourself to be in. 
for now, my hope is to be able to highlight an extremely difficult situation, even if that's all I can do. There are many stories to be told and someone needs to tell them. How many times have we walked past people living on the street and ignored them? So many of them are there due to an unfortunate situation that got them there. They're working towards getting themselves out of there and all they need is some help. If you are someone who doesn't like giving the homeless money because you think that they could use it to buy drugs and do things that are easy, that allows them to stay there because they're lazy, well, maybe you can buy them a meal or a coffee. It may be the only kind act that they may receive that day and it may make them believe in humanity and the goodness of a stranger who could see them even for one second rather than the hundreds that pass them by and make them feel invisible daily. Every act of kindness counts. If you can do one small thing for somebody, that makes the world a better place. It makes a difference. There are so many people like Jason out there who are trying to get off the street. Talking to him made me realize that some of the things he said were so important. He needed to prove he was homeless before he could get any help. He has a laptop, a phone. He hasn't sold those things to get money for drugs or a place to stay. He didn't seem like a person who was lazy. And, you know, he does hope for a better future. He keeps thinking every day, I'm going to get myself out of there. If not today, if not tomorrow, then definitely in the future. They do have to keep that hope alive to survive Now, he is not a typical story, I'm sure. I did go on and travel to California after New York, and I met with an old friend of mine who works for a hostel, an international hostel, and she comes across a lot of homeless people who try to get into the hostel for a meal, a place to stay, uh, maybe a shower, and she does see a lot of people who are looking for money for drugs, who do not want to get off the street. She has spoken to a few people and come across a few people that she has interacted with who find a place to stay in the alley behind the hostel. There's a little space behind her hostel where there is a vent that that has some warm air. So people tend to stay there when the weather gets colder. I saw a lot of people in Santa Monica in LA who looked clearly mentally unhealthy. They were talking to themselves. They were very, very unclean, quite unlike Jason. They didn't seem lucid. Um, they walk by and are you can see that their eyes are completely spaced out. They are not really well. And it's a lot harder to help people like that. But there are people who are doing things to help people get off the street. There is hope. It may be a difficult and an extremely impossible situation, but every little bit counts. That's the one thing that I came away with, that if you can give somebody a meal so they don't have to go and dig into a garbage bin to eat, if you can just stop by and and acknowledge them for a few seconds, it makes them feel human. If we can't do anything else, we can at least do that much. So the next time you pass by a homeless person, a person on the streets who is clearly struggling, please do one small act to help them. My research shows that mental illness is experienced by roughly one third of the homeless population. 
And that is a major barrier to getting people off the street. Um, Jason mentioned that there is a 50-50 split between people who are not ready to get off the street because of a mental illness or a drug problem. And there are people like him who are doing everything that they can to get off the streets. So let's not judge them and do what we can to help them. It's one tiny small act. As I said, if you can do something for somebody who is less fortunate than you, then that is one of the biggest gifts that you have to give back. Because for them, every day marks the beginning of another struggle to find a place to sleep, enough food to get by, and find shelter from the elements. The pressure they face to secure their own survival every day is unimaginable for most of us. So please, try and do whatever you can to help someone in need. We all need a little bit of love and a little bit of help and a lot less judgment. This is Katrin Kulkarni saying goodbye for now and speak to you again soon.